0: What is up, guys? You are listening to the Montreal Madness Podcast with your host,
1: Tony Montreal.
0: How's it going, everybody? Uh, Glad you're all back for another episode. Uh, With me today, I have Corey Amick. Has been on the show in a little bit, but uh, glad to have you here today, Corey. Glad to be back.
1: Missed, I think it was just a week, but it it feels like it's been a long time. I know, it has (laughs) been a long time.
0: Well, it feels like a long time. Yeah, yeah, with the
1: holidays and everything. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, a little controversy here in Pittsburgh. Uh, not only can the Steelers uh, mathematically um, secure the seventh seed, um, Mason Rudolph will be starting his third straight game even with a healthy Kenny Pickett. He will be the number two no matter how he feels, no matter what percent he's at health-wise.
1: Uh, Mason will be starting for the foreseeable future. Uh, what do you think of this mess, Corey? I mean, got to ride the hot hand. Uh, Rudolph's taking you to two 30-point games, which is, for the Steelers' offense, almost unheard of recently. Something I you gotta ride him till you gotta beat that dead horse till it's absolutely dead. <laughs> um, as for the picket controversy, I mean, he is in kind of a rough spot, because a lot of times you don't lose your starting spot due to injury. But, I mean, whenever the guy's playing like Rudolph is right now, you, you gotta... Almost um, just take a back seat, especially with his record this season, not being able to put up points in the yards and everything. So,
0: you know, I don't really know what to talk about with the rumors. I really don't think there's, honestly, but I've been thinking about it, and I don't think there's much truth to the rumors where Kenny Pickett said, Oh, if I'm not starting, you know, I'm not going to be the backup, blah, blah, blah. And Tomlin made him inactive, and now he is the backup this week. I really don't know what to say on that, so I'm not going to speculate on it, but I think him being the number two for sure this week, because he came out publicly yesterday and said he will back up Mason Rudolph, Tomlin confirmed in his press conference on Monday that Rudolph will be starting for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, if Kenny Pickett really is your franchise QB, um, you start him in these games. You know what I mean? Steelers under a must-win situation, they could theoretically get the playoffs if they beat Baltimore and then um, either... Buffalo or uh, Jacksonville loses. Yeah. Uh, so you'd think you'd want your so, so-called so franchise quarterback playing in this game because he is clear to play, um, but they're not. Uh, so I think for all those Kenny Pickett stands out there, those apologists or whatever, um, you really need to take a step back and just realize that, you know, a third-string quarterback essentially outplayed your um, franchise quarterback for two consecutive games, like you said, 30-plus points per game. Uh, looked very good. Um, you can just tell even when Mason Rudolph plays. Like there's a couple times where he threw the ball deep, but he had the whole pocket collapsing on him. But he just stood in there and took it like a champ, and then just you know slang the ball down the field. Yeah, but you don't he... see that with uh, Pickett or really Trubisky in that matter. You know they're always looking to scramble. They don't want to take a hit. They can't take a hit because you know they're small in size. Uh, but Rudolph, he gives you that ability just to stay in the pocket and let it rip down the field, even when the pocket's collapsing on him. And Another thing, too, is a lot of Kenny Pickett's problems, besides for, you know, the, he doesn't have the best arm and everything like that, uh, Mason can read the field way better, I think, than Pickett. You know, it's either like Pickett looks at his first read and dumps it off the Warren or Najee. Um, Mason, he's scanning the field. He knows where the open guy's going to be, and he throws it that way. Might not hit him 10 times out of 10, but at least he knows where the throw's supposed to be, um, and Pickett doesn't seem to really do that much.
1: Yeah, Rudolph... He definitely seems co- uh, more confident back there. He's got good pocket presence. He's got a better arm. Um, he's getting the balls to receivers, and, I mean, most importantly, he's winning games. So you've got to keep going with him. And I think one thing that might benefit that is he sat behind Ben for, what, two, three years? Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he got to learn off of a Hall of Famer. Not mm-hmm. everyone gets to do that. Mm-hmm. Pickett came in, was the starter basically immediately. So he didn't have anyone to learn behind, didn't get to sit and watch, learn the NFL speed, the style and everything. Mm -hmm. He has to learn on the fly, which is super difficult. Um, And I mean, even Pickett, who's he had to turn to behind him to give him experience and help him out? It's been Mason Rudolph, who he's been good, but let's let's be honest, he's probably not a franchise guy. Yeah,
0: he's not your starting quarterback 2024, unless he pulls a Nick Foles out of his ass and goes on this insane run, which... You know, that's slim chances of none right there. Yeah,
1: and then Trubitsky these last two two years. Like, he hasn't had someone great to like have a mentor. So I think that helps with Rudolph compared to Pickett a little bit. Um, one thing, like, do you think any of the locker room guys, like especially Pickens, but maybe Johnson and some other guys went to Tomler like we are rolling right now. Like, do not bench Rudolph. Like, do you think any of them went and, like, had a team meeting, per se, or anything where it's like, we got to – this is the guy right now?
0: You know, I usually follow a lot of Steelers, you know, beat writers on uh, on X and, you know, that sort of thing, and that's never really come up in the past couple weeks. But I can probably say here on this show that someone or a group of people, like you mentioned, went up to Tomlin privately, like, you know, hey, I, you know, if you haven't found out already, I think this is your our guy for at least the last of the, uh, this year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, pick- had, that had to have been a little bit of a conversation at
1: least. Yeah, because from what you hear, the locker room likes, likes Pickett. But, I mean, looking at recent uh, interviews from Johnson, Pickens, Najee, they don't seem real happy Like they like they're in love with Pickett. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and right now, George Pickens is on an absolute heater with Rudolph they're giving them, the, They're
0: giving their playmakers the ball and that's the one quarterback in this roster that seems to have figured it out.
1: I yeah. I too. mean may, hey, maybe being the third stringer, he's like, why aren't we doing this? Yeah. He's like, if I was out there I'd just he's like, I'd just throw the ball. Exactly. So, I mean, maybe he's actually he's, he's uh walking the walk, you should say. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he was trying to tell Pickett, Hey, get your guys the ball and he just didn't have the ability and Rudolph's like, Yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: Exactly. Like there's obviously you want to stick to the game plan and I think the game plan all year for the Steelers and especially from their quarterbacks is hey, don't turn the ball over. If we're gonna score, we're gonna score it running the ball. And you know, you're not to put up a lot of stats, but at the same time, you know, if you don't turn the ball over, you're gonna do your job. And I think with Mason, it's one of those things where it's like you just said, it's like, screw it, I'm gonna find my playmakers, I'm gonna deviate from the system. And actually, you know, if they are covered, I'm still going to throw it to them, make the best possible throw I can do, and let my playmakers make a play for me. Um, and another thing, too, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, well, most of um, uh, Rudolph's yardage and touchdowns the last two weeks have come on short passes and yards after the catch and everything. Well, you know what? That's something Pickett wasn't able to do. You know, Steelers, up until the last couple weeks, have been one of the worst teams in yards after catch, yards after reception. Um yeah, something that has to do with play design and game plan and scheme and all that. Another thing has to do with that is the quarterback can't lead the receiver right, lead him in the space where he can make moves and make plays um, on the ground. Yeah, uh,
1: it'd be Pickett would for say throw the ball a little bit behind the guy, forcing him to stop it, yes, and he's hit exactly. him. As for Rudolph is hitting a guy in stride where he's able to once once the ball touches his hands, he's accelerating upfield. Mm. And I mean, yeah, I mean if a lot of his yards are if a lot of Rudolph's yards are yards after the catch who cares? Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls off the Playing of like that.
0: that. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's not as easy as it looks, you know. Like, you have to lead the guy, know where they're going to be, where, like, at the exact spot you want the ball to be thrown at. Um, you know, a great example, back on the Thursday night game when the Steelers played the Titans, um, there was a play where Pickens was running a shallow cross um, left to right side of the field, and he had 30 yards in front of him, nobody. Could have easily got, you know, inside the Titan, like, 30 or 20-yard line. Pickett throws it over his head at least a couple of feet on a five-yard little crosser where yeah. if he leads him or just he even throws it just right to him to where, like you said, he can even, like, stop a little bit. There was nobody in front of him, you know. And it's just those types of plays where, you know, it should be simple, but Pickett can't seem to do it. Sorry, Pickett stands.
1: Yeah, and another thing we touched on slightly, I'll kind of almost reiterate it here, like, in the pocket, Pickett, Gets happy feet once he senses pressure and he rolls, he rolls to he, the freaking left. Yeah, he he tried, which is just really dumb for a right handed quarterback. Mm-hmm. But he always just tried, once he feels any slight pressure, he's trying to get out of the pocket. Or maybe it's because he's smaller, he has some injury past, he doesn't trust the line, whatever it is. But Rudolph just stands in there, he's a little bit bigger. And if he senses pressure, it that clock in his head just gets a little bit faster and he
0: steps up in the pocket.
1: Yeah, instead of trying to run away because he doesn't have really any speed to him there's
0: no really no- mobility like yeah not like Allen or Mahomes or anything. yeah
1: guys. he just he steps up into the pocket and he tells himself i'm gonna get hit <laughs> gotta make a decent throw here where i mean you see that in a lot of elite level quarterbacks they know the hits coming but you gotta stand tough in there and take the hit mm-hmm. for the betterment of the team
0: yeah
1: and he just relies on his size and stuff his his big frame to not get banged up that's so. a
0: that's a great point Corey. um I honestly couldn't have said any better because that's literally what we've seen the past two games compared to the previous, what, 14 or 15 games with Pickett and Trubisky. Yeah. Um. Now, the Steelers, so, like I, I think I mentioned earlier, where if the Steelers win and either Buffalo or Jacksonville, one of those teams loses, Steelers secure the seventh seed. But imagine if the Steelers win one of the three games where they lost back-to-back-to-back to, back to, back, back to the Cardinals, Patriots, and the Colts. They'd be in the driver's seat right now. They'd be ten. Would they have clinched by now? They wouldn't have clinched, but it's a win and you're in scenario because they'd be ten and six right now. If they, they would win, have eleven they, wins, they would eleven wins and nobody could break them. So if they win, they're in. If yeah. they would have won just one of the three, so I'm gonna ask like a maybe not even a question here, but I'm gonna let you answer, Corey, because I'm gonna go off here after I, <laughs> after I uh, hear your take. But everybody's now saying that Mike Tomlin. Oh, he's the GOAT again. You don't doubt him. You know, he has the Steelers' rolling, two-game win streaks, 30-plus points. You know, he's resilient. The team loves him. He's such a player's coach and blah, 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 blah. Um, Haven't you noticed that the Steelers lost three straight beforehand, and that's why they're in the position that they are right now? Did you completely forget about that? So what's your take on, you you know, Tomlin just because he's won two games in a row and the Steelers are mathematically still in the playoffs now that he's a hero again? Like, what's your take
1: on that? Well, I mean, you know the the old saying: "Winning fixes everything." They won two in a row; everyone's happy. Those three games, Posh, don't matter anymore because he's won two in a row. But I mean, no, if you gotta, if you're Tomlin, you cannot lose back to back games to the Patriots and the Cardinals. You cannot do it. If you win one of them, and they were both at home too, both which at really home, yeah, really hurts. But if you win one of them, you're all but in the playoffs. Because the Ravens, it already came out that uh, Huntley's going to be the starter. Who knows mm-hmm. who else they rest.
0: Probably their linebacks. Patrick Queen and Roquan Swift, I doubt they play. They might play a couple series like you would like you would play in a pre- uh, preseason game. Yeah, But they're not be playing the whole game. Uh, it'd be guys like that. They're marquee guys above offensive defense that they won't put out in the field, if if at all. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: But, I mean, if if you win, like I said, one of those two games against – and 10 teams at the time mm-hmm. then you're you're fine this game sure it's an afc north rivalry game and everything the ravens even with backups are still gonna play hard mm-hmm. but it's a lot more, less pressure because once once destiny's in your own hands you have a little bit more confidence because they can go out and they can beat the brakes off the ravens but they still have to go inside and they gotta, they gotta pray that the Jaguars lose. They gotta pray that Miami shows up and beats Buffalo. Exactly. But, I mean, with Tomlin keeping his, um, what's it called, non losing season, non losing season record, ex- extending that, the fire Tomlin talks have definitely died down. I mean, I. If he would lose his job after this year, I'd be surprised. Just because, like I've said on the show before, he has the ultimate comeback if his seat ever gets hot. Never had a losing season. What more do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, honestly, I don't think anything's really going to happen. He can continue to miss the playoffs. But as long as he's not under 500, he's going to be fine because you can just say he just missed the playoffs.
0: And so I'm get a little bit of a tirade here. For all you Mike Mike Tomlin apologists out there who, you know, you, you don't criticize him. You think he's, you know, God's gift of coaching and everything like that. The Steelers right now are in the midst of their longest streak in the Super Bowl era without a playoff win, which is seven years. And um, if they don't win a playoff game this year, it'll be up to eight next year if they don't win a playoff game. And that would be, talk about records, he'd be setting his own record in not winning a playoff game, longest in franchise history since the Super Bowl became a thing. Um, When do we start talking about that? You know, this is what happens whenever you start losing and losing consistently. It's that our expectations as Steelers fans should be Super Bowl robust. But now since it's been seven years without a playoff win, you know, a lot of fans, including like me, we're just happy to see them win a freaking playoff game now. And if that doesn't happen, the next seven years we still win a playoff game. What's next? Oh, we're just happy... To be 500, which is where we're going at right now. Then we're no different than the teams like the Lions, outside of this year, out you know teams like the Lions, the Panthers, um, the Texans of old, um, you know teams like that, the Cardinals, where we're just happy with 500 seasons because you know our franchise has been shit for so long and so consistently. Um, th- that, that this is what scares me. You know, you can you can blame injuries, bad luck, all you want. But seven years is a long stretch to where every stinking season is just based on bad luck. You know, oh, they won a playoff game in seven years. Oh, it's because of this injury and that, blah, 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 blah. The only year that you could legitimately argue where, you know, they had a down year and should have had a down year was back in 2019 when Big Ben played only one game that season. That's the only year where you can give Tomlin an excuse as the reason why they didn't make the playoffs and didn't win a playoff game. Other than that year he is solely responsible for the reason why they have not won a playoff game since 20, since the 2016 season. You know, they've had, um, good rosters, good starting rosters. You know, you have guys like Cam Hayward, Minka, TJ. Um, you know, besides the last couple years, you've had a decent offensive line, um, in the past six, seven years. Um, you've had good playmakers on the outside. You had a hall of fame quarterback for a few of those years. You went winless in the playoffs so far. Um, so that's my thing. Like, when, is, when are people going to wake up and realize that Tomlin is not part of the problem and this little two-game win streak that they have on should not negate the three-game losing streak that they had right before and the reason why they are on the outside looking in instead of being right in the thick of things when it comes to making the playoffs. They should be a win in your in situation right now, not win and hope a couple teams lose the next day. It's complete and utter bullshit, and I just can't stand it anymore, Corey. I really can't. I mean, did, did I say
1: anything wrong there? No, but I mean, at the same time, you sound a little bit almost spoiled due to your history. Because you, what? You won, since the 2000s, you only won two Super Bowls, right? Yes. So, I mean, your recent success is all right. But I mean, you're, you're a historic franchise, that's for sure. But a lot of them, you're like the Cowboys. You expect every single year to be the year, but I mean, sometimes it's just not your years. There are teams in the NFL. But it's been that not our year good. for seven
0: straight years now. You know what I and mean? And man,
1: it's been—it's not been the Cowboys' year for how many? I don't
0: give a <laughs> shit. That's why I'm a Steeler fan I'm not a Cowboy fan. That's why I'm a Steeler fan and not a
1: um a Carolina Panther fan. You know what I mean? Like, I think you just got take take the ups and downs as they come. I mean, sh- I think. Part of the reason why Tomlin's a scapegoat is just, I think he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. But I think he's just overstayed his welcome a little bit. A lot like the Belichick and New England situation. A lot of people think it's just run its course, its time. He's been, what, Tomlin's been with the Steelers, what, 17 years? Yeah. Like, that that's a long time in one place. In, in any sport, that is a long time in one place. So I think it's a lot of just, it's his uh, his time is up run its course. I think both sides just want a fresh start. So I think that's a big reason why it's a scapegoat. Cuz realistically, say you bring in another guy in his first year, you go 9 and 8. Are you going to be pissed? Or are you going to be like, that's a good first year? I'm asking you. <laughs> I thought you were going to elaborate a little
0: bit there. Now, um, you know, that's a thing though. It's different with a new coach. I can confidently say that because, you know, it's like mike tomlin you know when his first year you know he made the playoffs but he he lost in the wild card to the jaguars um but i still gave him the benefit of the doubt because it was his first year and there's a difference between being a first year coach <coughs> excuse me difference between being a first year coach and a, and a 16th 17th year head coach to where they're on a seven year winless playoff drought which has again set the franchise record and counting um I'm as a fan. I'm just tired of it, and like I don't think I'm spoiled in saying that. I'm a fan, you know. I'm a fan. I just want to see my team win. You know what I mean? And with a city like Pittsburgh, like you said, the history and everything like that—the six Super Bowls and the countless uh, conference title games and playoff wins over the past three, four, five decades—you know that comes with the territory. Like, sorry, I don't think that's spoiled. I just think that's you know that's why you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know?
1: Who starting head coaches right now in the league? How many of them do you think does a better job than Tomlin this past year with, with like, exact same thing play out? You have, you have media, what we think is a mediocre quarterback in Kenny Pickett, injuries, all that stuff. Who do you think does a better job than Tomlin?
0: I don't think that's a you, – you can't you, – you can't, teams are so different, dude. You can't, you can't just say, oh, this coach has done better or this coach has done less. You've got to grade them with what they're doing on the field with their
1: own team. You know what I mean? I think you can plug and place a couple of guys. Like who? I mean, do you think Belichick and Tomlin, I feel like, are fairly similar coaches. Do you think Belichick does better with this team?
0: You know, I think he has worse quarterback play. You know, I know we say Pickett sucks, and rightfully so, but I think he's had worse quarterback play. The problem with Bill Belichick is, you know, he he drafts his own guys. You know, he's a GM of the Patriots. And, you know, I think the game has, you know, subtly – taken a step ahead of Bill Belichick as far as on the offensive side of the ball is concerned, his defenses are still good. You know I mean? They're a they're, they're winnable defense if they had a good offense. So I, I think that Bill Belichick is still one of the best coaches of all time, despite their record, um, you know, this year and the past couple of years, especially about Tom Brady. Um, but he needs to stop being a GM. You know I mean? He can't pick players like he used to back, you know, a couple decades ago. Yeah,
1: I understand that. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I just – I feel – I do feel bad for Tomlin, a little bit. Like, would you, from the outside looking in, would you want Tomlin
0: as a Chargers' new head coach
1: next year? If we had Mike Tomlin as our head coach, we're a playoff team. We're especially with the Chiefs having a down year, we could have won the West.
0: You realize that Tomlin only went to a title game, AFC title game, and lost um, with Bell, Ben, and Brown,
1: right? I mean, a if the Chargers done recently. I'd be thrilled if we made an AFC championship game. I'd be ecstatic. See,
0: I don't want to be a fan of a poverty franchise. Sorry, Corey. <laughs> this is why I root for the Steelers. I do not want to become a poverty franchise like him just because I don't want to be ecstatic over just getting to a title game.
1: I mean, you got to start somewhere. you got to start somewhere. I, I believe the the uh, John Harbaugh right? – yeah, John, John's the Michigan coach. No,
0: Jim's the Michigan, Jim's Michigan coach. Jim's the Michigan coach. I always yeah. get mixed up.
1: But the Jim Harbaugh talk is really heating up with the Chargers, and I think he will be able to take us to another level. So, I mean, really at that point, if we get him, it's on the players. Because I mean, he's proved he can get to a Super Bowl. He's done it before in the NFL. At that point, it's just down to the players. So, I mean, if we had a guy like Tomlin who I think we have the roster, we just need that coach. where in critical situations to elevate us. I think he has that ability.
0: But, see, that's the thing. This, Tolman's had the players that you're talking about with the Chargers. You know, Herbert is Roethlisberger. Um, Keenan Allen, A.B., um, you know, Le'Veon Bell, Austin Eckler. You know, they, like, he's had the players to do it, and he hasn't done it, except with the old coach's players, Bill Cowers. That's the only time he's ever won anything is with a team he never had the draft or help draft. He had a culture already lined up. He had leaders on his team already there for him. Now, the past decade, where it's all his players and all his leaders and all all the players he chooses as the team's captains and you know who he relies on as veteran players, um, that's all on him now, and he's shown he has been able to do it. You know you know what I'm getting at, man?
1: Yeah, no, I do. Um, it is tough because like like you said, you you're the one that's watching every single game in yeah. and out. you're the one that's been putting up with it for a long time. so i I do understand the frustration. I mean, Hell, if Jim Harbaugh comes in for the Chargers, like I mean, that's this is the best analogy I can put to it. If he comes in and say he gets us to the playoffs, but we don't win for five straight years, and then we miss a year, we come back, but we don't win, yeah, I will, I would get frustrated. So I do, under, I do see your point. Actually, the Tomlin, albeit just had an epiphany, but <laughs> the Tomlin thing is a lot like James Franklin. He's he's good enough to have you talked about. But he's never going to win important games that really elevate you to the next level and have people scared. Thank you. So, I mean, I, I do, I do understand to a point because God damn it, though I hate James Franklin. So. <laughs> after watching him for a couple years, I can see why after dealing with it for Tomlin for almost 10 now, you are pissed.
0: So. You know, that's a good segue talking about Penn State here of James Franklin. Uh, so let's move on to that. Um, so Penn State's. Get their asses clapped in the uh, second <laughs> yeah. half of that game. Yeah. When they lose 38 25, I think that was the final I, score.
1: Uh, yeah, because I, I think that 25 even was because of a garbage time touchdown.
0: So here's a little story here. So I know a lot of you probably think I was mad and pissed during the game and everything, but I've become so used to these types of games. Up by when Ole Miss went up by uh, three touchdowns early in the fourth quarter, I had stuff to get at the grocery store. I just went and went to the grocery store. <laughs> I did not care anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like, mean, <laughs> just a little side story there.
1: <laughs> I, I had the game on in the background, but for the most part, any of the bowl games I didn't really watch except for the playoffs, mm-hmm. just because they don't mean anything. And I heard James Franklin came out, and he criticized the—he came out and he criticized players not playing for opting out and stuff and transfer portal or whatever, and he criticized the refs. It's like, like, I understand you're a head coach, you want to win every game, but dude— it's not that important. You're not getting anything for winning this game against Ole Miss except a, a nice round of applause. Like, that's that's all you're getting for well, it. Well,
0: here's my thing with Franklin, though, and all that, is he kept it really hush-hush with the media and then in so facto the fans that, you know, besides for just two or three players, majority of the starters were going to play in that game. Now, from years past, as a fan, buying expensive tickets to go to that game, making that big travel, you should know by now that, you know, yeah, in the past, players, like, like for example, Saquon Barkley, they did play, he did play in the bowl game when he declared himself ready for the NFL. Yeah, at that now, big uh,
1: Rose Bowl run. Well,
0: that like, was that was the year before, the year after oh, that they, was the year they played in the Fiesta Bowl against Washington of all teams. Oh, okay. And he, you know, had like a big eighty yard run for a touchdown. Now, in saying that, if you watch that game, he only played roughly, you know, a third of the snaps that day. But he did play. Um, and you've seen other players of that pedigree, of that caliber. Um, play in uh, bowl games like that. So as a fan, when you're seeing all these news articles and everything, even Franklin himself saying, yeah, we have Chop Robinson. He's opting out. Um, you really don't, don't really blame him as a fan. You know, he got yeah. injured
1: earlier in the year. who was practicing on the exa- field exa- the day of the ex- bowl. Ex- exactly.
0: Like... You had him as a maybe and one other guy where he said he was a maybe. Other than K-Lan
1: that. King ended up playing, I believe.
0: Right? Just a couple snaps. Really? I thought he played more than No, that. no. Actually, Dennis Dixon him never played. Dennis really? Dixon him never played. Damn, yeah. I thought he played So you had
1: – Because I know uh, so he, he didn't – It was talk coming, going up to the game that uh, – It was talk that he was going to play. So I was expecting to see him out there. Didn't see him on the list of names that they put up in He had like three names of guys. Overall,
0: 27% of the uh, first-team starters throughout the whole regular season played in that game. Only 27% of the first-team starters, which, and, which as a fan who went to that game, I would have been so pissed because I'm expecting most of my – well, you know well, players it, out there cuz that's what I've been led to by the head coach and then all of a sudden to say you know, see on the field you have the second and third stringers out there. Well look at honestly
1: I wish wish JD was here to talk about it Yeah. because I mean him he actually went and I mean props to him. I I couldn't I couldn't convince myself to go to a game like that just <laughs> know, knowing in my head it means zero. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't do it's it. The it's, yeah, yeah, it's the experience it's why you go. Yeah, it's experience in a great stadium. So mm-hmm. I understand that part but I mean yeah, I want to know, like, how upset, like, him and his dad are going down watching the game and not getting to watch any of the players that you're paying money to see. Because I don't know the price of the tickets. I guarantee they're not cheap. It's a bowl game and a really yeah. nice stadium, so.
0: Plus, you know, tick, you know uh, hotel prices go up with all this you know, bowl yeah. game stuff around. It's tourism. It, yeah, it's like a peasantry almost, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, tourism.
1: Yeah, I, I would definitely be upset in that front. But, I mean, that's college football now. College football is fucking dead once it gets done with the regular season.
0: Yeah, my point is it just most, most fans know when they go to these games to see New Year's Six Bowl and their favorite team. They, they know right from the get-go, all right, I'm seeing second and third stringers. Penn State fans thought they were getting mostly majority, not all, majority starters playing. Yeah. And they didn't get that. They were essentially lied to. Yeah. That's what I have a problem with. And he's always saying, oh, come support us. Two hours before the game, get in the stadium early and all that
1: bullshit, and then he goes and does that to the fans. Like, that pisses me off. I mean, a lot of them just don't care. A lot of the players just do not care anymore. They're at the big-name university because that way whenever they go to the draft, oh, I went to a big university. I was a good player at a big university. Mm -hmm. They don't care about the university itself. They don't care about the culture and everything that the head coach has worked years to build, whether you like them or not. Mm-hmm. They don't care about any of that. They care about the money they get paid to go to that university and the money they're going to make in the NFL because yeah. of their talent. Yeah. That, that's it. That's the only thing they care about.
0: So Penn State had, under Franklin, this, this, is his, this ended his 10th season with Penn State, a full decade at, in State College with uh, James Franklin as head coach. So in those 10 years, he does have five, 10 wins or more seasons. So half of his season so far in his first decade, they've won 10 or more games. He has a 69-nice winning percentage. <laughs> um, but what does he have? One top five win, two top, I think it's one top five win, and a 10-and-24 record against AP top 25 teams. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a broken record with Franklin going into his now 11th season in, in State College you can, you know you can beat the mid to shitty teams no problem really um, you've proven that with back to back 10 and 2 seasons in the regular season um so you're you're you can't get over that hump to where you become an S tier team you're still an A B tier team um you know and i'd like to think that you know you look at the Georgia Florida State game both teams had record setting opt outs i think it was something ridiculous like florida state had what 19 20 maybe 21 I players opt out i think
1: florida state had like 25 And then Georgia
0: had almost the same exact number, too, on the other side. You know what I mean? And Georgia, with their second and third stringers, absolutely throttled Florida Uh, State's second and third stringers. They
1: had a lot more starters than Florida State. did. They had a lot more starters. They had their starting quarterback. Brock Bowers, I think, played a couple snaps. They had some receivers, running back. They had a lot more key positions. As for Florida State, their starting quarterback was already injured. Their second stringer, transfer portal. Running back, off out. Top two receivers, op out. All but one player on their defensive line that was a starter opted out. <laughs> like, there wasn't a lot Florida State could do. They were missing a lot of key players. And, I mean, even Kirby Smart came out and said after the game that college football needs to change because he's dis- he was disappointed with how many op outs Florida State had. The Florida State players know that they didn't have anything to play for. What, what does beating Georgia do for them? Nothing. They're not in the playoff. So, I mean, I I like that Kirby Smart came out and said that he was disappointed with the op-outs, where, I mean, anyone should be. You're looking for a good game, and it just never happens with any of the bowl games apart from the playoff.
0: I guess what I'm saying is, you know, you just said about guys like, you know, Brock Bowers, you know, they did play, but... It was I'm, a little bit, but ex- Exactly. So... Toward the end of the game there, you had your second and third stringers out there versus Florida State's second and third stringers too. I guess what I'm trying to get at is you can see that Georgia's an S-tier team because they have backups and backups and backups that can be starters on any other team. Yeah. You know what I
1: mean? They have a ton of depth. Exactly. Which is, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with Kirby Smart just building a
0: fantastic culture down there.
1: But you could
0: Athens. you could say the same thing for a team like Michigan. If they weren't in the college football playoff, they probably have their second and third stringers out there too. Probably not good. Exactly. But they would still probably throttle, maybe not to the extent of Georgia did the FSU, but they would throttle any other team that they would play in the in the bowl game. You can say the same thing about Ohio State other than this year. You no, know, you know, in years past. Say exactly. the same thing for teams like Alabama, maybe not this year, but in years past. Um where they like I said they have second and third stringers that can be starters anywhere else yeah. um, and that's where Penn State needs to be um, but they're not and I keep hearing about lack of resources James Franklin has everyone is making out like Penn State University is a poverty school they're yeah. a global university Corey they have money
1: it's I don't really think money is the problem right yeah um, one thing it's an older interview it was at the beginning of the season I'm sure you saw it Franklin was talking to, I think he was a local state college guy, news station, about how they had a a big, he didn't say the name of the player, but he said it was a big name five-star recruit. I remember that. Was lined up to come to Penn State, but because of rules that the campus and university has set up. It was double dorms. Yeah, the freshman didn't like that. He wanted his own room. And because of that, he went somewhere else. I, I think that really hurts. Like, Football is your moneymaker. Like, come on. Like, cater to them a little bit. (laughs) Let the football stars have what they want. They're the ones that are bringing in probably 90 – yeah, probably about 90% of the uh, university's revenue. Let them get what they
0: want. I understand how you being in a single dorm versus being in a – you know, uh, um, someone rooming with you, you lose that many players over. You know what I mean?
1: This is like the only instance, but still, who's to say it doesn't happen again? And again, and it until it becomes. And I've a heard him
0: talk this year too. Also, you know where like oh the the new AD and him are finally in line. You know, like like and the board and the board of trustees too. Everybody's online now. Everybody's on the same page. So you know, Penn State. You know, he said this. You know, we should be good here the next you know upcoming years or whatever. I'm not buying that one bit. That's called saving face. That's called politics right there. Talking politics.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it, but I don't believe it right now. That's a bunch of malarkey. No, I
1: like like we've talked about before, this will be a this coming year will be a big year for James Franklin because twelve team playoff. Schedule gets harder. on what it other, gets harder. Depending on what uh the Pac twelve teams coming in do. Well recruiting wise and everything. Yeah. Um
0: at least for next year though, you gotta think um Washington, Oregon are still gonna be powerhouses like they were this year. I'm not saying maybe Three four years down the road they might not you know weaken a little bit, but yeah. at least for next year they're both those teams are going to be pretty damn good, and they do play Washington USC as the notable Pac twelve teams. I think they may play one more former Pac twelve team, but the two notable UCLA, ones they'll be playing is USC. Oh UCLA. UCLA, yep, that's the other one. Yep, USC UCLA and Washington, and Washington they're playing the championship game next week. So. I, I do
1: think Washington's losing a lot of players, so we'll see who transfer there because uh, do transfer portal and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But Oregon has already got some good players in through the transfer portal. Yes, you know USC is going to recruit well because people love to go USC. Exactly. UCLA has uh Brian Kelly, fantastic coach in college. Like he's gonna he's gonna bring people in. Yep. So I mean, yeah, he's for Franklin. It's going to be. It gets slightly – it's slightly easier because he only has Ohio State this year, right? Or does he only have Michigan?
0: No, only Ohio State. They don't only have Ohio Michigan. Only Ohio
1: State this year, so that's a plus. No Michigan. But you gain these other teams, so you have to be wary of that. How they adjust to the Big Ten is yet to be seen. But it's, it's all the, – the Pac-12 things are just they're, – they're an unknown right now. Mm-hmm. You don't know what they're going to be like because the, st- the Pac-12 and Big Ten style of football is completely different. That West Coast offense probably won't translate to the Big Ten very well. Mm-hmm.
0: So. But then you gotta accumulate too. Whenever the Big Ten team goes from east out the west, that's probably gonna affect them too. Now, yeah, you know what I mean. So it, it's gonna work both ways. I don't think there's gonna be one clear cut advantage either way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like you said, this is a make it or break it year for Franklin. I mean, we're gonna find out if he's a fraud or not. You know, he's not playing Indiana and you know Minnesota and those teams. Um, 10 out of the 12 regular season games, yeah, you know what like, I mean?
1: Yeah, like you said, he's like 10 and 24, 25 against AP top 25 t- t- yeah. teams. He's probably going to play three to four of them this year. Exactly. If, exactly. if you lose all You're four doubling them, the amount of good teams you're playing next year. Yeah, if you lose all four of them, you're out of the 12-team playoff immediately. Mm-hmm. So, the past couple years, there's been a major gap,
0: especially in the Big Ten Conference with the elite teams, which is Ohio State, Michigan. Then you have the tier below that, which is Penn State. Then you got to throw sk-
1: Iowa in, Wisconsin a year or two. See, I,
0: I would say they're in a tier below Penn Stadium. Like there's, That's like there's just that big of a gap between those three, those three tiers yeah, of football. You, you, teams. you got
1: two A teams, a B team, and right. like two or three C teams, then everyone else is D.
0: Exactly, exactly. So you're not going to have that anymore. You going not gonna have that luxury. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be a really make or break year to find out if he's a fraud or not. Which yeah. Uh, if I was a betting man, which I am, I'd lean on toward Franklin being a fraud.
1: Yeah, it's. It'll, it'll definitely just be interesting to see what happens. And I'm, I will be curious. Say I mean, I don't know what their uh, exact schedule looks like. But say he comes up with three hard games right in a row. And say he loses all they three. They do play
0: at West Virginia next year. And West Virginia's looking like a decent team next year, too.
1: Yeah. So, like, what if they come out and lose three games in a row? And basically immediately eliminate themselves out of the playoff? Just does the board – does the – uh. Board and committee and stuff start looking, be like, well, we we're gonna have to replace this guy. He he can't win anymore. That's always a possibility. And I will be curious, even if Franklin does have a bad year, if the board's like, oh, I'll give him one more chance. How many? I'm curious how many one more chances James Franklin will get to like finally bite the bullet. Which is it. my
0: same gripe with Mike Tomlin. How many more <laughs> chances is that guy gonna get for something he did back in 2008? I'll even go 2010. So 14 years now, something he's done 14 years ago. How many more chances you to give him? Same thing with James Franklin. <laughs> they're they're will, the
1: same coach. <laughs> I will read you the
0: schedule here, Corey. So first game at West Virginia, then home against Bowling Green and Kent
1: State. Okay, so they can start out three 0 Yeah,
0: so they have, you know, besides for that one iffy out-of-conference game, they're playing some cupcakes like a lot of other teams do. Yeah. Then starts the real, the real test with the Big Tens coming up. So then they have home against Illinois. Illinois always plays us tough. That, and then the game after that, that's when they play at home against UCLA. And then immediately following that, they go on the road twice in a row to USC and then Wisconsin. Back-to-back road games there. So you have a three-game stretch against home, UCLA, on the road, USC, on the road, Wisconsin. Then holy shit, look at this gauntlet. Then after Wisconsin versus Ohio State at home, then versus Washington at home.
1: Yeah, Holy I mean, crap!
0: That is an insane five game stretch. We are really going to see right there, yeah, what James Franklin and that team's made of. In, in more that more specifically, James in Franklin. that
1: five game stretch right there. If you go three and two, I'd say it's a pretty good out. Four and one would be outstanding. But if you go three and two, you got to take that because if because at that time, if say your losses are to a good, a highly ranked Washington team and a highly ranked Ohio State team, those are two good losses, which would still hopefully get you into a playoff.
0: But see, isn't that sad though, talking about though? Like, should shouldn't we be expecting at least a four and one out of that? That that's my gripe. That's my thing. We should be expecting four and one if we want to be considered a S tier team, a team that can make havoc in the college football playoff, that could potentially make it to the final four and maybe actually win the whole damn thing. You know what I mean? Not with James Franklin on the you side. You can't line. expect to go three and two and call that good. And
1: three and two would be good for Frank.
0: If, for, if somehow, some way, some miracle, they make it out of that five game stretch, let's say four and one, then they end at Purdue, at Minnesota, then home versus Maryland. So they do get That's some breathing finish. room down the stretch. But damn, from, let's see here, October 5th to November 9th. Gauntlet. Gauntlet. Tough,
1: <laughs> tough stretchy games. Excited to watch them. I will be. Maybe may excited to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Flo- <laughs> Throwing a anger first... and frustration in there as well. Yeah, depending <laughs> on how the first two games go, it could be just disappointment watching them. Uh, what did you think of Drew Aller's season overall? If he gets an elite receiver, ben, his game will um, – Fleming, s-
0: the uh, wide receiver, decommit from – Ohio uh, State, the transfer Ohio... portal. Yeah, he's coming to Penn State. Julian okay. Fleming, that's his name, Julian Fleming.
1: Yeah. I know he's a five-star and everything. But he hasn't played a ton of football lately. I'm hoping he hasn't regressed. That, I feel like the only – I feel like that's the reason – well, you have Marvin
0: Harrison and then Jackson yeah. Najiga Smith last year. And then this year you had – oh, my God, I forget his name, but they had uh, a pretty good number Abuka. two as well.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's a I pretty mean, good he, number two, so he was Ohio behind State, a lot of talent. Yeah. His whole Ohio State career he's been playing behind uh, NFL quality receivers. Yeah. So, I mean – but, I mean, at the same time, isn't that almost a little, like, nudge? Like, no, nah, this guy's not NFL quality because he can't break in. So, like I said, I'm just hoping he hasn't regressed. If you can get another really good receiver, then that would just be another plus. But with an elite receiver, I think Alar will be even better. Um, t- He really likes his tight ends. Tight end play at Penn State's always really good. As long as the offensive line holds up, I think. But that's looking into next year. As long as... How, how do I want to put this? Alar had a good year, but in the big games he struggled due to offensive play calling, I, I believe, was most of it. Because in the Michigan game, whenever he was scrambling some, I was impressed with him. He's not a statue back there like I thought he was. He can yeah. move a little bit. So, he's got some maturing to do. He's got some growing. But overall, you can't really complain about his year a ton. Apart from the Ohio State game, he was pretty bad. He, he was a sophomore. So, you know... He's still young. You he's know,
0: if he was any other player, I would say he had a great year. You know, 25 touchdowns, one interception, I think, before the bowl game. I forget what his stats were for the bowl game. But 25 to one ratio coming in, touchdown, the interception ratio. I mean, pretty that's good. pretty damn good. Um, And like you mentioned,
1: especially with... And that t- one interception, I think, was like a tip ball or something. Yeah. it was hit, he was throwing or something like yeah.
0: that. Yeah. Um, you know, didn't have a lot of skill set guys to work with, you know... The game plan, the scheme from the offensive coordinator kind of reminds you of what Matt Canada was for the Steelers, you know. Just no innovation, um, just so predictable and everything. Um, And on top of that, you know, I thought we all thought as fans that the offensive line was going to play a lot better than what it did, Um, especially when they played the bigger teams like Ohio State and Michigan. Um, The Ohio State-Michigan's D-line manhandled Ohio State, I mean, Penn State's offensive line, which we thought that should have been a 50-50 split coming into the year. Because this is supposed to be Franklin's best offensive line he's ever yeah, had at well, Penn State. Well,
1: even watching Michigan against Ohio State and even Alabama this past weekend, Michigan's defensive line is elite. Yeah. They are bullying people. Yeah. So, uh, after watching them play other teams, I'm not as upset that they bullied us, too.
0: Yeah. But, you know, couple with all that, you know, yeah, I would like to say it a good year. But damn, I cannot ignore the fact that this was the number one quarterback recruit in his recruiting class. I can't get that out of the back of my mind. I expected the number one recruit to play like a number one recruit despite some of the inefficiencies, to say the least, that Penn State had on offense, especially a wide receiver. I'm sorry. He should be making, despite only being a sophomore, despite this is his first um, full-time season as the starter, I expected more, you know? And – you just never saw that. You never uh, saw him make his players around him better. Like good quarterbacks do, um, they make their players around them better. And we never saw that with, with Aller. Um, didn't like to throw it deep. I feel like, you know, yeah, they might not have had a call it a lot of deep passes, but the ones he did throw, I can see why they didn't do it because he was missing them. Despite for one game, which on top of my head was Michigan State, the last game of the year, you know he threw like shit on the long, on the deep passes, and the one game he did very well was against probably one of the worst teams in the Big Ten, which was Michigan State. Um, so I don't know how you feel about that, Corey, but I just would have thought number one quarterback recruit would have played like a number one quarterback recruit.
1: Yeah, I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time he he's a true sophomore. He barely played his freshman year, so that this year was basically his, he was basically a freshman this year. In a sense, um, next year having a full season under his belt we will really get to see what he's made of. I believe is w- depending on what the offensive coordinator's like. I I we
0: talked. Uh, me, JD, and Shane talked in my last show. Uh, it was before last week, before the bowl game. That and I looked at the stats. This guy, he's an efficient offensive coordinator. Like their stats last year, um, they were top ten in um, um, plays per. Offensive play, um, oh, my God, how do I word that? Yards per play average, okay, top okay. ten. They were efficient on offense. Yeah, they might only throw it 20, 25 times a game, but they were still one of the best um, passing offenses in the league because they were so efficient. Like, they were throwing 20, 30-yard bombs You know, mm-hmm. constantly, like every passing play. You know what I mean? They made the most of what they were doing.
1: Yeah, then, I mean, leaning into that a little bit, I think uh, ha- next year has to be a good year for a Alar- It sounds like he's going to have a really proactive offensive coordinator. Want to play action, too. Yeah, if we can get some receivers to help him out. Running back, we should be set on. Like I said, uh, tight end usually is never a problem at Penn State. Mm. So next year, Alar's got to have a good year. He's got to have one, especially if he wants to go to the NFL. He's going to have to show out. Mm -hmm. So hopefully he can do that. (coughs) And maybe, maybe Alar would be able to cover up for Franklin's terrible coaching. If you have a stud quarterback who's able to make plays when it matters, mm-hmm. it's it's um no one's looking to the sideline anymore.
0: That does make up for a lot of it. You know, I would like to think that, you know, the Michigan Alabama game we just saw, if Alabama had a better quarterback, they probably would have won that game. You know what I mean? But now everybody's saying, Oh, Jim Harbaugh outcoached uh, Nick Saban. I, mean, I just think the better overall team won that game. Okay. Now, although I was completely wrong by the way, I had predicted a rematch of Texas versus Alabama in the national championship game. Neither of them uh, played out the way I thought they would. Um, but still, you could just see the disparity in talent. And I'm actually surprised Alabama kept it that close because, you know, like you said earlier, that defensive line from Michigan was just manhandling an offensive line to of Alabama. And that's not coaching. That's just who's better. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess we'll talk about the playoff now. But, yeah, watching the Michigan-Alabama game, I saw, like, headlines were like, oh, Michigan escapes Alabama, Michigan edges past Alabama, all this stuff. Make it sound like Michigan should have lost. Mm-hmm. If, if you think Michigan should have lost that game, you didn't
0: watch the game. Because they had multiple opportunities where they could have threw the game away, but they didn't. Usually the team that, you know, fumbles the punt return and they're doing all that stupid stuff, they end up losing. But, no, they were over the, overcome that and win, which tells me that they were far above the better team If it weren't for those mistakes, they would have won by maybe a couple scores instead of having to go to overtime.
1: Yeah, because it was, what, 13-10 at halftime, I believe? Yeah, Alabama's touchdown came from a muff punt that gave them the ball, and Michigan's, like, 25. Yeah, exactly. Like, if Michigan doesn't do that, Alabama is forced to drive the field. Which Which they probably don't. (laughs) Yeah, they probably don't. They were held to 96 yards in the first half, lowest, I think, under Nick Saban. Wow. Which is crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, Michigan just went out and absolutely dominated Alabama, which I was thrilled to see, just because I had the argument for Florida State to be in. I don't think, I think Florida State would have played a similar game to Alabama. I don't think if you would have put Florida State in there, it would have been any type of different game, honestly. I disagree with you there. But... No, because Florida State <laughs> would have had their starters and stuff. I, I think watching them, Florida State would have put up just as good a fight as Alabama did you think they would have put up,
0: what was the final score, 27-20?
1: Do you think they would have put up 20 points against that defense? I think the defense would have played better. And it would have been, for say more a 17-10 game.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll still, <laughs> um, I'll still uh, agree with my prior statements <laughs> where the committee got it right. But we'll let we'll by guns <clears> be <being> by <throat> guns.
1: Um, no, but I, I was very impressed with Michigan. Blake Corum. Set the um, Michigan, Michigan, record. Record, Michigan record for rushing touchdowns. Good for him. Love Blake Coram. I mm-hmm. think he'll probably be like a fourth, third to fifth round pick, we'll say, in the NFL draft. Just because, I mean, he's not fantastic. Maximum, he's a second round pick. He, he's Yeah, you don't... I don't see him going any higher than three personally. Yeah. But just because running backs are disposable and he's not a freak athlete like Bijan. But J.J. McCarthy, he's raising his draft stock. He was called the best quarterback in Michigan history by Jim Harbaugh after the game, and Tom Brady doubled down on it. <laughs> he's walking around with a rose in his mouth. He made some elite plays. He was scrambling at the end of the game, getting away from the mm-hmm. pass rush, made clutch throws when it mattered. Yeah, He, he did exactly what he needed to do against that, uh, that Alabama defense, which i love to see. I'd love to see the Big Ten represented well. You know,
0: um, J.J. McCarthy, he's not the best quarterback in college football, but he was the best quarterback in that game, which is all you need.
1: Yeah, I I was um, watching the game, I was talking to Dan while it was going on, and it got to that fourth and goal in overtime, mm-hmm. and I, I'm literally sitting there, what, Michigan called a timeout, came up, lined up different, uh, then Alabama called a timeout, so both teams were out of timeouts, Alabama's on like the three and a half, they come out, I was like, it's a QB draw, I was like, I guarantee you it's a QB draw. <laughs> And Dan's like, "Why well, you think that I was like because they're not gonna force Miller to throw this?" He was like, "He's a playmaker; they're gonna want his legs to try and win him the game." What well, do you know? QB draw right up the gut for some god awful reason. <laughs> That's the play call you come up with, and he gets—he just got stuffed. I don't know why you're running into that that Michigan defensive front. It's so James dumb. Franklin
0: must have took over the coaching staff. <laughs> yeah, that it was just such
1: a dumb play. <laughs> yeah, and I saw a lot of people complaining about the Alabama center not being able to snap the ball properly. I think that's cuz that center was scared shitless of that <laughs> Michigan offense, that defensive front. Mm-hmm. He was he was getting steamrolled all game, gave up 5 sacks in the first half. I think he was just terrified. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get, he was worried about getting his hand up so fast, he was messing up the snap.
0: But um, so the night game, Texas and Washington. Now I'm not going to lie. At halftime I fell asleep. Could, I couldn't stay awake. Dude, the Had to wake up in the morning was, for work. So the
1: ending of that game was insane. Did you see it? Like, uh, anything about it?
0: I just saw, like, highlights in the ESPN.
1: Yeah, so Michigan went down, score a touchdown, made a six-point game. They only have two Texas? timeouts. Yeah, Texas. Texas only has two timeouts. So Washington comes out, run the ball, timeout, run the ball, timeout. If they run the ball, with don't get first down, they're going to punt the ball. Michigan, I mean, Texas is going to get with, like, 16 seconds left to drive the field. Mm-hmm. On third down, Washington runs the ball. Their running back gets hurt, so they're forced to call an injury timeout. Oh. So Texas is going to get the ball back for like 40-something seconds. Then on the punt, there was fair catch interference, so they got an extra like 5 or 10 yards on top of it. So they're driving down the field, and, yeah, running back makes a good catch out of the backfield, gets him to like the 12. Ewers had four chances to score a touchdown, and, I mean, on that last one, he, all on has to throw a better ball because um, Adonai Mitchell ran his route if Ewers throws a bullet pass to the pylon, Texas wins that game. But he threw a jump ball and gave the Washington defender a chance. Mm-hmm. If he, I'm telling you, if he throws a bullet, Texas wins, and they're in the final right now. Yeah. So, but the main talking point was Michael Penix. Holy shit. He looked good.
0: I was very surprised, though. You know, I thought Texas' defense, you know, Washington's never seen a defense like Texas before. Um, you know, I mean, this year. And, you know, they were able to put 37 points against them. I was very shocked at that.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Washington's receivers, they have, like, three NFL-caliber receivers right now. Mm-hmm. I think they're all going to the draft, and they're going to be uh, the one guy, Ro- Romadouze, I think is how you say it. He's going to be – he's a first-round pick for sure. But Penix was just able to absolutely <laughs> carve that team. He's great pocket presence. He can throw the long ball. He's got he's got a ton of zip on his pass. I think he possibly worked his way up into the third quarterback taken in this upcoming draft. He was just really good. The only reason he might not get drafted highly is because teams will be scared about him tearing his ACL. Twice. Yeah, that's the only thing reason he may not be drafted high okay. because he looked really, good, so really you're,
0: good. You're saying he might slip down to the Steelers,
1: <laughs> dude, dude. I've <laughs> I've already seen. Michael Penix to the Steelers talk. The, Isn't
0: he the sixth? Oh, that's the Oregon quarterback who was, like, the sixth year senior or something. Bo Nicks, yeah. Okay. Penix
1: has been in college a while, but he missed two years because he tore his ACL fairly early in the year. Okay. So, yeah, he is older, but he's played a lot of football. Mm-hmm. He has a chance to win national title now. He looks, um, what's the word? Proven, polished. Polished is the word I'm looking for. He looks really well done. He looks, like, a lot like Tua, but with better arm strength. Okay. So, no. Um, on McAfee, they have a Steeler fan on their show, and he's already Your saying, digs, yeah. "Yeah, he's already saying penix to the Steelers." He's already <laughs> on that on that train. Um. So, who do you have
0: uh, winning the title game between Michigan and Washington?
1: You go first. You
0: okay, go first. I. I like Michigan. Um, you know they, they proved to me that they were clearly better than Alabama, which is very rare to do. Um, under that team of Nick Saban. Uh, I just think they have they have the talent, especially in the defense, but they have enough talent in offense to get the job done. I just think that the overall better team, um, you know, I, I, I think the wild card is Michael Penix. Um, you know if if you're gonna beat a team which is clearly better than you, um it's gonna have to be because of the quarterback play. and I think because of that they have a chance. I just you know, I just think Michigan is a team of destiny. The whole thing—the Harbaugh scandal and how this team is bought in—it's you know it's Michigan versus the world, and everything like that. I, I think, I think they're a team in destiny. I think they're going to win a very close game. Um, I think they're going to win twenty-seven to twenty-three. Be a very close game, uh, potentially a game-winning drive um, uh, sprinkled in there as well. Um, we're going to be treated to a very good national title game. Though.
1: Um, one thing that I heard of. Joel Klatt talk about which I never really you don't think about small things like these and but they do because they're the analysts are paid millions to think about stuff like this mm-hmm. but whenever Harbaugh started winning at Michigan he made his team to beat Ohio State because if you beat Ohio State you're going to win the Big Ten yeah in in their shoes so how did he build that Michigan team to win he built the team to beat C J Stroud uh, Marvin Harrison Jr Chris Olave Garrett Wilson guys like that. Very similar to what this Washington team is. Yeah, like. that's
0: a very good point. Like very good point. he,
1: like Harbaugh has done well at Michigan by making teams by building defenses to beat teams like he's going to go up against next mm-hmm. Monday. So he's he's going to be prepared. Absolutely going to be prepared. I don't think. I think Washington will score points, but I don't think it's going to be enough. That Michigan offensive front is very good, and if there's one thing Washington doesn't do well, it's defend the run. And that, that's right in the Michigan strong suit.
0: Keep Penix on the sideline, run the ball, uh, move the chains. There's,
1: they're not going to give Penix a chance to kill him. And even whenever Penix does, does try and kill him, I don't know if Michigan will let him. Yeah. So I think I want it to be a good game so bad I, for some reason, don't see it being a close game. Really? Yeah. I'm thinking maybe like a 27-10 just because I think wow. I think they're going to shut him down. Harbaugh has been preparing for this for okay. years. Ohio, State, Ohio State's been the test dummy. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're just going to dominate by keeping Penix on the sideline. They're going to run the ball with Blake Corm and uh, Donovan Edwards. I think Michigan's going to win this one pretty comfortably.
0: And then, all right, so we both pick Michigan. I mean, Michigan does win. Um, you know, a, you know, there's going to be a little asterisk besides some fans. You know, oh, they cheated and blah, blah, blah. Do you put an asterisk beside that if they no. win? See, no. I don't either just because – all right, let's just say for the sake of argument, you know, they did, you know, it's confirmed. Although it's not confirmed. Let's just say for the sake of argument, it is confirmed. And, you know, they did spy and all this other stuff. Well, they didn't do it for Ohio State or Penn State this year. They didn't do it for Alabama. And they're not, they didn't do it in the Big Ten title game. And they're not going to be able to do it against Washington either. Yet they still won all these
1: games. Yeah. And like with the cheating thing, (laughs) Michigan's margin of victory actually increased whenever they got rid of this Connor Stallions guy. (laughs) <laughs> like so, they yeah. started winning more whenever he was off of the staff or whatever part that he was playing. So I think that just shows that they don't—they didn't need to cheat to begin with. Whether mm-hmm. they were or not, they didn't yeah. need any of that. They're just a very solid team. Mm-hmm. that Harbaugh's been working on since he got to Michigan.
0: Now I still think there's gonna be there's gonna be some sanctions. There's gonna be some there's penalties be and stuff. And depending how severe they are, is gonna be. The telltale of whether Jim Harbaugh stays and he accepts this rumored five-year, um, you know, sixty, seventy million dollar contract or whatever, or whether he goes to the NFL and becomes the new uh, uh, Chargers head coach. Um, so, for your sake, Corey, you need there to be a lot of sanctions with this uh, Michigan scandal.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I think the sanctions will be lessened if Harbaugh leaves. Just for some reason, I think. Well, I think he'll the only NCAA... leave if
0: there are. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Oh, uh, like,
1: oh, I, like, I. I, I th- I'm hearing a lot of talk. I think he's gonna he, try to he's avoid to leave anyway. Really? Yeah, win or loss, I'm thinking he's gonna leave. But for just the NCA seems to hate Harbaugh for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he knows something. He's got some dirt on him or something. What it's almost looking like. So I think if Harbaugh leaves, the sanctions will be less. Just because if he would stay, they want to they want to mm-hmm. make him miserable.
0: Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be really, uh, really fun to watch this coming off season. You got to think that there's gonna be sanctions. It's gonna be late January, early February. We're not gonna wait till you know June or July to find out. It's gonna be yeah, because they'll probably revoke
1: scholarships and stuff. So you don't want to go out and be well. I guess they're offered scholarships and whatnot, but you well, you don't want to start the next recruiting process. Yes, To That's at the end of Penn State.
0: It was you know they found out the Sandusky stuff in November, I think, and it was like. You know, early in early the next year, like January, February, where they came out with the whole sanctions and stuff. So, yeah, you know, I think if the NCAA did that back then, they're gonna probably the same time frame will happen with uh, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, regardless of what he does, he's getting the bag. Yes, <laughs> regardless, he he's goes either get that money from college. Michigan or the Chargers. Either yep. one will work for him. <laughs> Absolutely. Where I mean, hey, you can't complain. If You're getting paid. You're getting paid. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, did you fill out your
0: uh, Madness bets of the Week for this week?
1: I completely forgot. <clears throat> <clears throat> completely forgot? Yep. I well, mean, I can try and cook something up real quick.
0: Okay, well, i, I t- tell you what. How about I do mine first? Uh, I'm going to change it up a little bit this week. I am doing a four-leg parlay, but I'm taking all four of my games the over in every single one. You know, I don't think none – well, I know for a fact none of us has won a Madness Bet of the Week. <laughs> However, if you look at my Facebook page, you will see that I'm capable of winning a bet. Okay, I even a, I even won a another bet on Sunday. I had a anytime touchdown parlay between Zay Flowers, Gus Edwards, and Raheem Moster. Um, but Moster Raheem Moster void. got voided, but it didn't void my entire bet like ESPN bet does. A mm-hmm. uh, little disclaimer: if you have ESPN bet, don't lose it because what they do in that situation is they void the whole bet. They just don't void that leg because on FanDuel um, they just voided Raheem Moster, and since Gus Edwards and uh, Zay Flowers scored a touchdown. I was able to win 170 bucks off a 25 dollars bet, so okay. that's pretty good. But ESPN, I would have just got my money back. So little tit for tat there. Uh, don't use ESPN bet.
1: I actually, um, last Friday I was at work watching the uh, the Clemson Kentucky game. Mm-hmm. Saw Clemson. That was, was losing a good at, game. Yeah, lost. Saw Clemson was losing at halftime, so I was like, eh. Clemson's plus money threw 15 bucks on them then Kentucky immediately took the second half kick at, off back mm-hmm. so they went they were like plus 145 and then they went to like plus 215 I was like ah another 15 bucks on Clemson <laughs> so I put 30 bucks on total ended up winning like 92. nice yeah so I was like hey
0: there we go they can't
1: be upset on that one
0: there we go all right so in the Pittsburgh steelers Baltimore Ravens game uh 36 and a half taking the over in the Cleveland Brown Cincinnati game 39 and a half Taking the over. Buccaneers, Panthers, 37.5. Taking the over. And then last but not least, the Rams versus the 49ers, 42.5. Taking the over. I had uh, 23.50 um, left in free bet, so I used that for a total payout of 286. Odds are are plus 1,217.
1: Not bad, not bad. An Mm. all over bet. An all over. Usually I love the unders. I'm an under guy. Oh, come on, big cat would not like you dude. Under not like you Unders <laughs> are just so much safer. I feel like. Cause I mean a lot of times the like these guys do as a living obviously making the lines and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't know, I just feel like a lot of time under is safe. Especially in prime time. Have you seen like the uh, the lines on Primetime? The under is like twelve and two or something really? like that this year in Primetime games. Well obviously it's a lot more. Not
0: for the Steelers Patriots game where everybody thought that game was going. Hell,
1: I took I took under twenty four <laughs> points and that thing was gone with like time left in the first half. <laughs> yep, I was pissed. <laughs> um, dra- freaking DraftKings running super slow right now for some reason. I'm trying to hook up something fast. To... You
0: no, know, I just got DraftKings. Um, I have six 50 fifty dollar free bets. Dude, Used two of them, lost both of them, but I got four left. So
1: DraftKings seems to have slightly better odds than. I have noticed FanDuel. that.
0: I have noticed that.
1: Yeah, so, I don't know. I just Especially on player bets.
0: Player props, like, yeah. you know.
1: It would be, like, plus 50. 200 on FanDuel. It would be, like, plus 225 Yeah. On DraftKings for whatever reason. So, I, I like the – that's just kind of what I stick with for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I have, like, five different betting apps on my phone, but only use one.
0: It was cool. Um, for FanDuel, um, the reason why I placed a $25 bet on the um, Raheem Mostert ARP, would have been Raheem Mostert, Zay Flowers, and Gus Edwards anytime touchdown scores. Because if you placed a twenty-five dollar bet or more on a same or a three-leg or more same-game parlay, you get fifty cents for every touchdown scored that entire day by any team, um, no matter if it's defensive touchdown, special teams, or offense. You got fifty cents, um, per touchdown, and that's how I was awarded those free bets. Huh. I think it got up to thirty-one bucks, so I made six dollars in just betting twenty-five.
1: Hey, money <laughs> is money.
0: Yep. Have you played the Rocky game on DraftKings while you're cooking that up? Uh-uh. That's, don't play it, because it'll don't get addicting. It. <laughs> That'll get addicting really fast.
1: Oh, uh, I wish, I really wish I would have done this earlier, just because I know, I saw stuff online about um, players having certain incentives that are coming up this, this week. Like, DeAndre Hopkins needs, like, he needs like six catches and like forty nine yards to make like one point two million dollars or something like that. Does, uh, Dalton Schultz needs like six catches to hit his incentive and stuff. Like I feel like betting incentives on the last week, well, mm-hmm. betting on who has incentives is a great way to make money because yeah. teams are going to force him the ball. Yeah, no, and that's teammates true. Teammates want to see their uh, their buddies get paid. Mm-hmm. No, so, that's a great point. So I'll have to cook that up in my free time. Figure out who's got some and who doesn't. <laughs> but all right, what I got here. So, Hang on, let me. Put that in there. Oh. So, I'm going with one. One's the same game. <clears throat> I have Texans covering spread at minus one. Okay. And then a Dalton Schultz anytime touchdown, just because they're going <laughs> to be in the ball. I think it's coming. And then I'm pairing that with Packers' money line over the Bears. At minus one sixty two, Jags to cover uh, five and a half against the Titans. That's a
0: must-win game for Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to come out and they're going to play well. Uh, Buffalo money line against the Dolphins minus one sixty two. I think Buffalo they manhandled Miami last time. I think they're going to be able to win again. So you're saying the Steelers with
0: Buffalo and Jacksonville winning there, no matter what Steelers do Saturday. Yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs. I, I just I don't know.
1: Buffalo Buffalo's on a heater. Jacksonville, they have to be the Titans. Titans aren't very good. Buffalo so.
0: deserves to be in the playoffs more than any other team. Well, more coming, I, mean, I should say more than the Steelers do. Yeah, they're cooking.
1: But yeah, that that'd be my bet. Ten dollars would win me one ninety two. I like it. Yeah, I'm just on a quick one made up, so. Um, have you seen the odds lately for like MVP and stuff? No, I have not. I think Josh Allen is the second odds on favor for MVP right now. Really? Yeah, he's skyrocketed with them winning games, and especially if they make the playoffs, he will be up there. But Lamar Jackson secured it. By oh, yeah, with that. five touchdowns against yeah. Miami. I don't know.
0: Dude, they look good.
1: Ravens look good.
0: So the only thing that scares me about the Ravens, you know, I mean, I'm obviously not a Ravens fan by any sense of the imagination, but I don't know. They're resting Lamar Jackson, and I guess you kind of have to do that. But, damn, it's going to be one, two, it'll be three weeks by the time he actually plays a, another game. Yeah, That's a long stretch to get rusty look, and out of rhythm and out of sync and everything. I,
1: I actually heard uh, Orlovsky talk about it, and he said this is exactly what they did in 2020, I believe it 2019, was. 2019,
0: when they played the Titans after yeah. going like 14 and 2. Or yeah, and they three. rested
1: their starters on the last week. So, yeah, they had. They were
0: rusty and lost.
1: Yeah, they Titans put up like 14. Up on them immediately, and then mm-hmm. by the time they knocked the rust off, it was too late. Yeah, end up losing. So, yeah, I mean, if anything, let your starters play a half just so they're not sitting forever. Or again, shoot like a preseason game. Go
0: one, two. I would. I personally would not put my starters in for a half, especially the key ones like their two middle linebackers, Lamar, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, those types of guys, I wouldn't play them a half, but I play them. I'd play them a maximum of three series. So that's basically a quarter's worth. Yeah. I would bet – I'd put my eggs in the basket saying, all right, two or three drives. They're not going to get hurt. If anything, they might get a little stinger, but they have three weeks to hold that little stinger out before the playoff game. That's what I would do, just to, just to keep them in the flow because you automatically have a bye now. You know yeah. what I
1: mean? I'm, I'm upset that uh, the Browns are resting Flacco. I'm upset on that. Because if the Browns win, then they'd lock up the seed. I think they already have it locked up, right? No, because if I'm pretty sure if Buffalo Buffalo can leapfrog would leapfrog Miami and be the two seed, but I think Miami would go to the five. Okay. So they would drop to the six. The Browns so basically they they would get to play if they try this week and win, they lock up the five, then that means they get to play the winner of the AFC South.
0: Which is dog shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is gonna be more than likely Jaguars. I like my odds a lot better against the Jaguars than the Chiefs. You never know what cheats you're going to get.
0: That's true, but at the same time, your whole season is hanging on by forty year old Joe Flacco. I mean, he might be younger than him. that. He's but 38. thirty eight. Okay, thirty eight <laughs> year old Joe Flacco is what your season's hanging on by. You know, it's a different scenario between the Ravens and resting Lamar and the Cleveland and resting Joe Flacco. You rest Joe Flacco. You you keep him fresh and you know healthy. Because then the following week, he's in a playoff game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, if, he, if he gets hurt, then you are done. You are not – I don't care if it's Jacksonville. I don't care who it is. You are losing that first playoff game if Joe Flacco gets hurt I mean, this, I feel like, next week. I,
1: I feel like you could treat, like, the Jets game, especially against a bad Cincy defense, have him come out, score two, three touchdowns, and be like, all right, you're done. Defense, hold on. You guys got this.
0: That's true, yes. Yeah, if you get, like, a three-touchdown lead going into halftime, then maybe you consider um, benching uh, Flacco, but if they're if that game's anywhere near two scores, you're keeping in that game.
1: Yeah, and especially I'm rooting for the Browns because we have that bet, twenty bucks.
0: You and me. Oh yeah, the Cleveland wins a, wins playoff, a playoff game.
1: game. Hey, <laughs> what? they were holding signs up after they clinched the playoff spot. Why not Cleveland? They I'm were all they were chanting board.
0: Pittsburgh sucks in that game.
1: Hey, good. Fuck them. <laughs> First time in. 34 years, I believe, where the Browns are going to finish above ahead the, Steelers of the Steelers in the division.
0: Again, that's not what I want the Steelers to turn into. That's <laughs> why I'd rather get rid of Tomlin now than keep waiting year after year after year. And to do something that he won't do. Hey,
1: you just got to respect Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco goes out and somehow wins a Super Bowl. I'm getting a Clevelander. I'm getting a fucking Joe He's going to get Jersey. screwed out of the comeback player of the year. How do you feel about that? I I hate it because – I understand. I'm not hating Give on... Give him
0: his own little award, his little yeah.
1: trophy, whatever. Call I'm it the not... Damar Hamlin Courage Award or something. Yeah, I'm not hating on Damar Hamlin. It's fantastic that he is able to play and everything after what happened. The dude died and came back to life. I understand that. But Joe Flacco was sitting on his couch for... Basically sitting yeah. on his couch for five years. how much has changed in five years? We went through a global pandemic since the last time <laughs> Joe Flacco was good. And all of a sudden, where he's talking about... Winning a Super Bowl? Yeah. Come on, give give the man his flowers. So he started what, four games now for Cleveland, three or four? Five, he's four and one.
0: Okay, five they, games. They lost
1: his first game that he played against the Rams.
0: Okay, so in five games, he's thrown more touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett has in his whole entire NFL career, which is two years. Like, give Joe flowers. <laughs> but yet, Pickett's flowers. still the franchise future for the Steelers. Yeah, cry me a freaking lip river liver (laughs) yeah i'm gonna need uh, maybe a liver transplant if i need if i see any more picket in there next couple years (laughs) holy crap but all right you know i think that's a good way to wrap up this episode of montreal madness Corey, again thank you for coming on hey glad to be here um probably just a fair warning um after the super bowl probably won't be doing too many more of these podcasts uh throughout the rest of the year until football season um comes back probably like you know opening day of baseball that week i'll do a show As maybe like gets, a
1: maybe a draft special
0: a draft special exactly yeah free agency special in football um you know nhl playoff hockey you have the golf majors but probably gonna be dying it back on doing them uh every uh once a week so just keep that
1: in mind um we're not big NBA guys or anything. We're yeah, not yeah. Basketball. <laughs> Maybe a little March Madness talk. Maybe we'll sprinkle that. Oh, i talk March Madness, dude. I love March Madness. I made a ton of money last year <laughs> on March Madness. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Cause... I just take the just take the underdog in every yeah. single game. I put ten dollars on them. Yeah, starting. I missed the first the first day of the playing, mm-hmm. but I got. But starting on the second day of the round of sixty four, I bet ten dollars on every single underdog. Maybe, and I, um, there wasn't a single time I lost money. Yeah, I remember
0: I was uh, Saint Patrick's Day. Uh, yeah, at I the hit, brewery. Yeah,
1: yeah. I hit. Who? What team, was it? Oral Roberts that beat. Yes. Oral Roberts yes. beat Purdue right there because I cause ten dollars on sixteen games, hundred sixty dollars. Obviously, that game alone won me two thirty. Already made money before <laughs> any other game mattered. That's awesome. Made like three hundred something dollars. I did.
0: Maybe we'll even do a. Uh, Montreal Madness Bracket. (laughs) Yeah, There we go. go. (laughs) March Madness Montreal Madness. Got to. (laughs) All righty. That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Catch you later. Have a good week, everybody.